Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 21 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Chapter 6, Roman numeral 7. The seventh lesson by which Christ teaches contentment is the burden of a prosperous outward condition. One who comes into Christ's school to be instructed in this art never attains to any great skill in it until he comes to understand the burden that is in a prosperous condition. Objection. You will say, what burden is there in a prosperous condition? Answer, yes, there is certainly a great burden, and it needs great strength to bear it. Just as men need strong brains to bear strong wine, so they need strong spirits to bear prosperous conditions and not to do themselves hurt. Many men and women look at the shine and glitter of prosperity, but they little think of the burden. There is a fourfold burden in a prosperous condition. Number one, there is a burden of trouble. A rose has its prickles, and the scripture says that he that will be rich pierceth himself through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6.10 if a man's heart is set upon being rich, such a man will pierce himself through with many sorrows. He looks upon the delight and glory of riches which appears outwardly, but he does not consider what piercing sorrows he may meet with in them. The consideration of the trouble that is in a prosperous condition I have many times thought of, and I cannot think of anything better to compare it with than to traveling in some open country where round about is very fair and sandy ground and you see a town a great way off in a valley and you think oh how well situated that town is but when you come and ride into the town you ride through a dirty lane and through a lot of fearfully dirty holes you could not see the dirty lane and holes when you were two or three miles off. In the same way, sometimes we look upon the prosperity of men and think, this man lives well and comfortably, but if we only knew what troubles he has in his family, in his possessions, in his dealings with men, we would not think his position so happy. A man may have a very fine new shoe but nobody knows where it pinches him, except the one who has it on. So you think certain men are happy, but they may have many troubles that you little think of. Number two, there is a burden of danger in it. Men in a prosperous position are in a great deal of danger. You see sometimes in the evening that when you light up your candles, the moths and gnats will fly up and down in the candle and scorch their wings, and they fall down dead there. So there is a great deal of danger in a prosperous estate, 
for men who are set upon a pinnacle on high are in greater danger than other men are. Honey, we know, invites bees and wasps to it, and the sweet of prosperity invites the devil and temptation. Men in a prosperous position are subject to many temptations that other men are not subject to. The scripture calls the devil Beelzebub, that is, the god of flies. And so Beelzebub comes where the honey of prosperity is. Yes, they are in very great danger of temptations who are in a prosperous condition. The dangers that men in a prosperous position have more than others should be considered by those who are lower. Think to yourself. Though they are above me, yet they are in more danger than I am. Tall trees are a great deal more broken than low shrubs. And you know when a ship has all its sails up in a storm, even the top sail? It is in more danger than one which has all its sails down, drawn in. Similarly, men who have their top sail and all up so finely are more likely to be drowned, drowned in perdition than other men. You know what the scripture says, how hard it is for rich men to go into the kingdom of heaven. Such a text should make poor people content with their state. We have a striking example of this in the children of Kohath. You will find that they were in a more excellent position than the other Levites, but they were in danger, more, were in more danger than the others and more trouble. That the children of Kohath were in a higher position than the other Levites, I will show you from the fourth chapter of Numbers. There you will find what their position was. This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. Mark this. The Levites were exercised about holy things, but the service of the sons of Kohath was about the most holy things of all. And you find in the 21st of Joshua that God honored the sons of Kohath in a more special manner than he honored the other Levites, which honor the children of Aaron, being of the families of the Kohathites, who were of the children of Levi, had for theirs was the first lot, Joshua 21.10, and they were preferred before the other families of Levi. Those who were employed in the most honorable employment had the most honorable lot. The first lot fell to them. Thus you see how God honored the children of the Kohathites. But the other Levites might say, How has God preferred this family before us? They are indeed honored more than the others, but notice the burden that comes with their honor. I will show it out of two scriptures. The first is Numbers 7, 6-9. through nine. And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites, Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershom, according to their service, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. But in the ninth verse he says, 
Unto the sons of Kohath he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary that belonged unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. Mark, the other Levites had oxen and wagons given to them to make their service easier. But he says, to the sons of Kohath, he gave none, but they should bear their service on their shoulders. And that is the reason why God was so displeased, because they wanted more ease in God's service than God would have them. For whereas they should have carried it upon their shoulders, they would carry it upon a cart. Here you see the first burden that they had beyond what the other Levites had. And indeed, those who are in a more honorable place than others have a burden to carry on their shoulders that those who are under them do not think of, while others have ways of easing their burden. Many times, those who are employed in the ministry or the magistracy, who sit at the stern to order the great affairs of the commonwealth and state, though you think they have a fine life, they lie awake when you are asleep. If you knew the burden that lay upon their spirits, you would think that your labor and burden were very little in comparison of theirs. There is another burden of danger more than the rest, and you will find it in Numbers four seventeen. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Cut ye not off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites, but thus do unto them that they may live and not die. When they approach unto the most holy things, Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint them every one to his service and to his burden. But they shall not go in to see when the holy things are covered, lest they die. Mark this text. The Lord says to Moses and Aaron, Cut ye not off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. Cut them not off. Why? What have they done? Had they done anything amiss? No, they had not done anything to provoke God, but the meaning is this. Take great care to instruct the family of the Kohathites in the duty that they were to do. For, said God, they are in a great deal of danger serving in the most holy things. If they go in to see the holy things more than God would have them do, it is as much as their lives are worth. And therefore, if you neglect them and do not inform them thoroughly in their duty, they would be undone, said God. They are to administer in the most holy things, and if they should but dare to presume to do anything otherwise than God would have them about those services, it would cost them their lives. And therefore, do not be careless of them. For if you neglect them, you will be a means of cutting them off. Thus you see the danger that the family of the Kohathites were in. They were preferred before others, but they were in more danger. So you think of certain men in a parish who bear the sway and are employed in public service and carry all before them, but you do not consider their danger. And similarly, ministers stand in the forefront of all the spite and malice of ungodly men. Certainly, God employs them in an honorable service and a service that 
the angels would delight in, but though the service is honorable above other works, yet the burden of danger is likewise greater than the danger of men in an inferior position. Now when the soul gets wisdom from Christ to think of the danger that it is in, then it will be content with the low estate in which it is. A poor man who is in a low condition thinks, I am low and others are raised, but I know now what their burden is. And so if he is rightly instructed in the school of Christ, he comes to be contented. Number three, in a prosperous condition, there is the burden of duty. You look only at the sweetness and comfort, the honor and respect that they have who are in a prosperous position, but you must consider the duty that they owe to God. God requires more duty at their hands than at yours. You are ready to be discontented because you have not got such gifts and abilities as others have. But God requires more duty of those who have greater wealth than you than of you who have not such wealth. Oh, you would fain have the honor, but can you carry the burden of the duty? This concludes episode 21 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.